Thank you for listening to Namat's Movie Reviews Podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I heard you are the man in town to talk to for a strip and a demo, Mr. Brennan. I have a client in need of a quick turnaround. Don't give me that look, Jane. It's good money. This could really help get close to that procedure, you know? A little hard work, do you some good. Could be fun. Hey! Y'all playing hide and seek? to yank her around. She don't listen too well. It's because she can't hear. <laughs> listen, your lives for what's underneath the ground. You're seriously not keeping them alive, are you? Now that everybody's wide awake, we dig. What's gonna happen to us? Stop talking to her like that, eh? Does she read lips? I promise you, when the time comes, I'll make it quick and painless. Run! Help! I feel like we got off on the wrong foot. Just let us go. Get your dirty hands off my kid. Get back! No! I just missed. Everybody's a killer if they get the chance. I want to know why us. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 464. Releasing September 23 in theatres and video on demand across the US is Dig, a thriller that stars Thomas Jane as a widowed father who, along with his teenage daughter, is taken hostage by a dangerous couple and forced to unearth an unknown object under a vacant house. Also starring Emil Hirsch, Liano Liberato and Harlow Jane, Dig is a desert-set survival thriller of high stakes and strong performances. And joining me now is the director of Dig, Asha, Asha, I thank you so very much for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. So it's really interesting. So the screenplay for Dig is written by Benapul and Ben-Hur Aplakad, and they're really interesting kind of uh, duo there. They, they have had a number of scripts on the blacklist, and for anyone out there listening, the blacklist is pretty much like an annual survey of kind of like the most liked scripts that haven't been produced yet. Um, they've had a, a number of those scripts out there. Um, was Dig one of those scripts, and how did their screenplay kind of come your way? So I uh, got the screenplay through my producing partner, Daniel Cummings. Um, we were in post on Slayers, which comes out next month. It's a vampire sort of horror comedy. 
and uh, Thomas was in that. And Daniel had been working um, on uh, on this picture for a little bit and was working on trying to figure out the cast. And he had talked to Thomas and Harlow already. And uh, I jumped on pretty late in the game, to be honest. Um, the script was a little different when I got it. Uh, it was a bit more uh, straightforward and really leaned into uh, the sort of classic drama of the father and daughter with a, a more of a sort of uh terrifying and um uh more straightforward kind of villain uh the the you know the Vic character was really the sole villain and he had a couple of sort of henchmen with him uh, and they were dirty cops uh and um i'm you know i don't like to look at things straightforward i'm i I'm, as you could tell from watching the film uh i'm a fan of left of center cinema uh and so especially with regards to genre. And uh, I think that, you know, if you want to stand out, if you want to, you know, if you're going to go down the road of making, you know, a picture that has to do with some pretty violent situations, uh, A, you should make sure that everyone's having a lot of fun doing it and, and you know, and watching it. And B, uh, you should really understand why you're making the picture, what it's really about and what, you know, what story you're telling in, in the time that you're living in. And, um, and so uh, a lot of the, the themes that were in the script, I were really, uh, spoke to me specifically, uh, it was mid pandemic. My wife and I had gone through separate health issues around the same time. And I loved this idea of trauma breaking apart a family and then trauma, bringing them back together, uh, as a sort of fable. Um, and, uh, and then I really wanted to get to the core essence of it. And so, you know, before we even officially brought in Emil and Liana, I I really loved this sort of idea of this sort of wounded apex predator in the father figure, and uh, and these hyenas, you know, jackals nipping at the heels, you know, and then at some point the lion awakes, right, uh, for this sort of big ending, and he's trying to protect his cub, and the cub, you know, ultimately uh, protects him uh, as a sort of rite of passage. I think there's something really primal about the story, to be honest, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and timeless. I'm a very big fan of film noir from the forties and the fifties, um, both independent and studio film noir. Uh, I'm a big fan of the, you know, um, the, uh, the French new wave, uh, movement and specifically the genre based films from that era. And obviously then thereafter, New Hollywood and and uh, and the pictures of the of the 1990s, uh, and I saw that this was a really good chance to jump onto a movie and um, express my love for for that that genre and really be able to dive in headfirst and make my own film within that canon. Uh, so yeah, that was sort of the intention behind it. The hyenas that you just mentioned, Dave. I think the biggest change in the script is transitioning from that kind of like those villains and the corrupt cops to to where we have with a, a mule and and Leanna, yeah. kind of like these kind of kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of almost yeah. like a Bonnie and Clyde situation. I also get the feeling of, of movies like California, which is a film yeah. by Pete from 1983. And I love Killers. I love California. Natural Born Killers, you know, it's it's its own thing. Yeah. But California is a real forgotten classic. It's yes. one of my favorites from that era. Um, Way of the Gun is another movie that is sort of in the in the same thrust tonally as this film. Um, very early Christopher McCormick, uh, uh, McQuarrie film. 
mm-hmm. uh, as sort of his first branch out after *Usual Suspects*. Um, but uh, you know, all these sort of films that came out of *Reservoir Dogs* really um, things to do in uh, Denver when you're dead, and I yeah. believe there was, uh, you know, this was a, a and and really the only filmmaker that still makes these movies, aside from hopefully me, is Joe Carnahan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. He, he obviously is pretty outlandish at this point and he's done this for so long that he gets much bigger budgets to do these type of the movies. But I think that it's the same sort of balance and really what these films are, are films that have a lot of reverence for the, you know, elevated uh, genre films, which were called exploitation films up until, you know, about 10 years ago uh, of uh, the 1960s and 70s. Uh, and, and and those films were obviously incredibly informed by uh the the film noir pictures of the of the 40s so i think this sits in the desperate hours uh obviously funny games uh it's another film a recent film that that has a similar kind of uh cruel sense of humor that's juxtaposed with family in peril uh but i do think that this film has a very unique heart at the 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 middle of it uh with this father and daughter and specifically elevates because of the personal relationship with thomas naharlo and how um, uniquely they were able to tap into and be uh, so intimate and so bare about their own personal uh, life to put into the characters. What's really interesting about the film, too, it seems like you have these two separate tribes, these two separate families clashing. Um, Correct. And the, and the funny thing is, is that when we first meet them, um, Harlow and Thomas's uh, characters are kind of, there's a division there. Where when you meet Emil's and Liana's characters, their ones they are really tied. And it kind of like right. seems like throughout the film there is not to give away too much, but kind of like the the roles kind of reverse as the the situation escalates Correct. even more. <coughs> yeah, that's like I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and 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 very intentionally. I think that you know when we first meet Vic specifically, Emil's character, it feels like he has the bravado and confidence of a of a real player. Right. And then ultimately, as we keep pulling and we're all there together, you know, we we expose that, you know, Emil's character, Vic's character is really, uh, you know, and obviously not with the same wealth, but is really akin to like a trust fund baby. Mm. You know, he's he's all talk and flash and there's nothing really substantive behind it. Right. And Liana's character is really the character. The Lola character is 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 really the 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 true criminal. Uh, you know, who had the true hard background, and and um, and I and and I think that there's something really fun about that. I also want to mention, and Emil was in uh, a picture based on uh, his play, but you know, I think Tracy Letts is really informative for this movie as well. When mm-hmm. I went in and I and I worked on the script with the writers, um, you know, some of his work uh, is is really does have that sort of uh, evocative and um, and sometimes challenging. Uh, way of juxtaposing some emotional real trials with really outlandish set pieces and characters. Um, Obviously killer Joe, uh, which, which Emil was in, but you know, you can, you can look towards almost all of his, his plays and, 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 you know, really get there with that. And I think that he more than anyone uh, really is a throwback to uh, also a lot of the films that come out of the actor studio, the Ilya Kazan films and Martin Rick films and stuff like that. So I, there's a lot of lineage to the way that this movie is made. Uh, the lineage is just not current lineage. And so I think that for a lot of people, what I hope is if people really like this film, 
is that, and, and maybe hear the discussions that I'm saying about the picture is because they go back and watch, you know, some of, you know, some of the, uh, the, the films of, of the 1950s and 60s and 70s that inspired this movie, uh, whether they be, you know, some of the William Freakin and Walter Hill films or, uh, you know, uh, some of the, uh, you know, the films of, of the 40s and 50s, Billy Wilder films. And, uh, and, and then obviously, you know, you know, some one-offs with some other, you know, filmmakers that made some great ones. And then, you know, and, and then I don't think that, I don't know if this audience is going to dive deep into, uh, Antonioni and Godard or anything like that, but there's certainly influence on my side uh, with regards to the way that they handle genre pictures. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. When you say Tracy Letts and you mentioned Killer Joe, of course, I also think of Bug as well, which is the other freaking yes, movie that he did. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and when I, I think, think of there's those... a lot of DNA with with Tracy. I actually had a chance to meet him uh, in a very different way. My wife is a is a, a big um, stylist for celebrities, mm-hmm. and uh, she was doing. Um, and I, by the way, this is this is brand new for an interview. Uh, uh, she was doing Carrie Coon for which is his wife. The one of the greatest actors around, by the way. Uh, I think it was for the Critics' Choice or something. And uh, we went over, and she's dressing him. I went, and uh, Tracy was just kind of hanging out, <laughs> coolest guy I've ever met. And uh, and he like offered me a donut, and he's this is a really cool, sort of like fun Midwest guy. Mm. And uh, and I love, you know, I really do love that school of of writer filmmaker. Uh, I'm a kid from LA, but obviously love to shoot not in LA. And I think I, I, um, I really gravitate towards trying to find a little bit more of a uh, blue collar aesthetic and mythology and then elevate it, you know, with, um, with whatever I've seen, which is like an encyclopedia of movies. And what's really cool about those films is the, is the setting, like they're placed in these kind of like isolated places where you don't yeah. know where the bodies are buried essentially and yours you shot your film in new mexico the place is the las cruces i think the is uh, what the las cruces um, correct yeah is what it's called what was it like yep. finding that place and what's it like filming in the desert i mean i've talked to filmmakers about filming in water and filming in cold conditions but filming in the desert does that play havoc in any way on your equipment or anything like that the dust uh, the humidity etc well there's no humidity it's dry, dry of in Las Cruces. Yes. Uh, the wind, it was terrible. And we would literally have to monitor times when we were going to get dust, you know, dust bunnies and just do, you know, and, and, uh, and you know, little mini tornadoes and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it, it affected the sound. We had to, we definitely had a little bit ADR in certain places. And then we had to reshoot a couple of things while we were there. Um, but the location, I mean, you're talking about John Ford, America, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And on every side. The place we shot uh, is a ranch owned by this guy, Ross. Very nice guy. It's a third generation, uh, huge expanse, about 50 acres. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you drive down a dirt road after going on a frontage road, which is like right near the freeway. And then you drive down a dirt road for about 10 minutes. Um, I think they were paving it while we were <laughs> filming. Uh, but um, the minute you kind of go through the gates of Coralitos, which is the name of the ranch, uh, you're looking everywhere and suddenly it's like, wow, um, every single angle looks good, right? And once you get that, then you're like, I got to get a drone out here. I want to make sure I shoot as much as possible. You know, anytime that we had downtime, I'd grab a camera, my cinematographer grab a camera, we would just literally shoot stuff, you know, and, and, and I think in a movie like this, where it is so intimate and, um, it, it is, it, it's, it's a lot of handheld, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty gritty film to, and claustrophobic to be able to open up, you know, so many times in the picture was, was very much intentional, give a breath. And, and I, I did look at this film as, uh, pretty theatrical in terms of the way it was written. It's really an act one and act two movie. Um, the act one ends after the fire scene, uh, campfire scene, and then act two obviously is, is everything thereafter uh, when they start digging and, and, um, and philosophically, uh, the, the fire scene as the middle of the movie, uh, is really, um, uh, sort of about laying everything on the table and, and the beginning of, of digging, you know, in a, in a more, in a more spiritual and thematic sense, they, as the more they dig, the more they uncover uh, their sins, all of them. And, uh, and interesting, uh, performance wise, but interesting to understand that all four characters, uh, come from trauma Mm. and it's about, and to me, the movie is really about how people respond to trauma, right? That's the most interesting thing to me in the film is, is that, you know, uh, Brandon Thomas's character has responded by going inward by probably drinking a lot by being very sullen and sort of cut off and putting walls up so many walls that he won't even admit that he's learned sign language to communicate with his daughter. Um, and, uh, and obviously, uh, Harlow's character, Jane, her, her, um, you know, her response to tragedy is very physical. It's, I can't hear it's, I don't want to talk, you know? And, And then on the other side, you know, Liana, whether we believe her past or not, which mm-hmm. I always wanted to kind of leave up in the air. Yeah. Uh, it comes from a really tragic uh, background and that has informed her to not trust anybody and to have a very brutal outlook on life. And Vic, on the other side of it, has grown up, no spoilers here, but has grown up as you sort of, uh, you know, one of the sons of presumably a, a, a sort of crime kingpin. And so he has been handed everything and just sort of isn't feels like he's entitled to go and rip people off and kill people. And so he has a, a, a pretty anarchistic view of, of what being a criminal is. There's nothing behind it for him. It is all just basically stage and kabuki for him. Right. And ultimately his downfall is just that is that when you're a criminal, but you're only doing it because you want to pose because you think it's cool. Cause you know, then you don't really have the stuff behind it to be able to pull through on things. And ultimately when he could have killed, you know, the, these two people early or forced him to do things early, he doesn't really have it in him because he's not really a true blue, true blue natural born killer. He's not. And, and his, his girlfriend is, yeah. um, but ultimately he keeps trying to kind of 
um, push her down to a certain extent. There's a lot of that in this picture where, you know, for the first half, as you mentioned, for the first half of the picture, uh, it feels like she's, she's being relatively subservient to him. And ultimately we realize that she is just sort of waiting, you know, waiting it out and seeing, you know, when her moment to take over is in this, in this film and a bit like Lady Macbeth or something. Well, it's such an interesting movie. And I got to say, I I really enjoy watching Thomas Jane in leading roles because you mentioned Me before the, the influences, the kind of the wine. We talk about movies of the 70s and 60s. He, to me, harkens back to that type of leading man. 100%. Um, and I, it's so great to see him um, not only in Dig, but, you know, also in, in the other film that's coming up, Slayers as well, coming out next month. As well. got, so, it's, it's not a yeah. lead role, but it, it turns into a lead role halfway yeah. through. And ultimately, hopefully, we're going to do more. And we have another picture we're working on right now as well that's a lead role. I look at him 100% as a throwback to Lee Marvin. James Coburn, Warren Oates, and then obviously before that, Robert Mitchum, Henry Fonda, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the sort of guys who are not um, Gary Cooper, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they're not, it's not Kevin Costner, you know, there's, there's a real edge and a darkness that Thomas has and can embrace. It makes him a more dangerous character. And ultimately, to me, more of a traditional movie star than a lot of actors that there are today, because the movie stars of, of, of you know, the forgotten, uh, there was an element of I don't really, really want to have this person over for dinner, but I do want to root for them in a movie, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that that is sort of it continues to fall by the wayside uh, as uh, as television programming and content and film programming begin to kind of mesh. I don't really like that. And so I hope that this movie is a movie, you know, in terms of, I don't care where you watch something, the way that something is made, it's two different ways of making a, a, a project. And I've always thought that you go to a movie theater, you're in, you are paying to see something and going into a world that might not be a world you want to live in. Uh, when you are open, when you, when you are turning something on, that means that we are, being invited into your home. And so as hard as you can be, there's still, you know, there's, there's uh, gatekeepers. Yeah, that's part of TV programming and, and streaming programming. And you'll notice that when you watch a movie that is developed by a streamer, it's, there are safeguards. The bad guys aren't that bad and the good guys are really good. You know, the redemption is clear and um, this, the scenes are not challenging in the same kind of way. And so I think that we have lost the ability, and hopefully I will be part of a way of bringing it back to create dangerous cinema, where, you know, as a critic, you're kind of confused about if you should like the picture or not. Um, you know, if you don't know if you like the characters enough to root for them, or if you like the villains enough to root for them, and you're not so sure, and you may need to watch the movie a, a, a one or two more times to really understand the intentions of the filmmaking. That's, uh, that's my goal with, with, with making uh, this, these films that I've been making. I have one more coming out in a month and then I have another one coming out early next year. And I would say that all of them kind of are filed under the unclassifiable uh, sort of elevated genre, uh, but also have characters where you don't really know where they're going and you don't really know if you should be identifying with them or not. So for everyone listening, September 23 in theatres, in video and on demand, 
big. Yep. I really recommend everyone check out this film, Thomas Jane. I appreciate Emil it. Hirsch, so many great actors. Interesting movie, really great film. And uh, I can't wait I to talk to you it. again. Uh, uh, hopefully when uh, um, uh, Slayers comes Slayers. out as well. It's, it's Absolutely. Been a, it's been 100%. a pleasure to talk to you today. Yep. Great talking to you.